Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, we have a special guest, Chiefs Digest Matt Derrick. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Absolutely, Jeff. Always good to talk to you, man. And it's uh, we especially appreciate you coming on. Uh, Joe Valerio, who I know listeners love to listen to, the former Chiefs offensive lineman, is on a much-needed vacation, and he's on an RV trip here with kind of spotty Wi-Fi. So uh, we would be excited to have Matt anyway filling in Joe's shoes. And if there's anyone who can do it, it's certainly Matt. So thanks so much. <laughs> absolutely oh joe's doing it the right way these days yeah i mean rv heading hitting the road that's the way to do it absolutely well uh matt tell tell listeners here uh what it's like covering uh a very unique training camp i mean does it almost feel more like otas than training camp <sighs> right now it, i mean right now it actually feels more like early day i mean phase one phase two of the off-season program mm -hmm. um not even getting into otas yet because at this point you know you're you're not getting a full team on the field um you know you're not really you're not getting the whole offense versus defense i mean at this point it's still individual work drills walkthroughs um so you know even even if you're a fan and you go to training camp in saint joe that part hasn't really started yet for the chiefs i mean that will start on friday when they get their first real practice in. But yeah, at this point, I mean, as far as, you know, what we know about this team and what you're able to cover. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like early April at this point in the calendar. How much of the, and like you said, it, it's even not even like OTAs. How much do you actually get to see of, uh, of when they're kind of running around? Do is there a certain time period that you're allowed uh, to see some kind of movement of the squad, if you will? You know, at this point, it's extremely limited. Right now, mm -hmm. no media is allowed to any of the practices. So, you know, for us covering the team, I mean, what what we're seeing is pretty much the same things that the fans are seeing as far as just what video and photos that the Chiefs post. Um, that's kind of what we're all at the at the at the will of right now. Um, once uh, the practices start on the 14th, there's going to be a select group of reporters that they are going to let in for practices. So you'll start to get a little bit more of observations from the, the unfortunate thing is, and you know, bless the Chiefs, um, they've got very strict rules about you can't report anything about substitution patterns, you can't report plays, you can't report lineups. So it's really nuts and bolts. I mean, at that point, at least watching practice informs the questions that you can ask the coaches. So if you see somebody's getting a lot of reps, you can then ask the coaches about that, ask the players about that. Chiefs are pretty restrictive about the information that they allow you to recover and report. And then once the season starts, it's going to be a whole new ballgame because at that point, we're going to go back to basically where we are right now, which is everything's going to be remote and Zoom and phone calls. And none of the, the hands-on reporting that you get in a normal season. So this is, this is going to be tough and a, for everybody and it's change for everybody. And I think it's going to change the coverage that you see of the team as well. Uh, d definitely, for sure. Um, well, while you haven't been able to see m uh, much of the team, obviously, for because of the uh, restrictions, which we certainly understand, uh, any kind of 
interesting nuggets you picked up during, I put training camp in quotes, just while talking on uh, the Zoom meetings with coaches and players. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's the nature of the Zoom. I mean, the first thing I think you'll... and um, the environments that they're in back at the house. Uh, you can see the ARC trainer in the background. Um, the priceless moment with Tyree Kill on his Zoom call because uh, he was having some construction work done. So you could hear, you know, remodelers in the background. And then the kids were running around. And at one point, you know, he had to, he had to go around up the kids. So, yeah, I mean, you get some of those little slices of life. And now that, you know, they're getting the, the players and the coaches back into the building, you don't get to see that as much. And honestly, I mean, you know, on Sunday we really had our kind of first, you know, full-fledged uh, media availability with the players uh, and coaches available from the building. And uh, I tell you what, they're kind of already in you know, mid-season form as far as <laughs> we're getting back to the sound bites and the canned answers. And, you know, I, I did like that, you know, during, I think, the off-season when everybody was at their homes and we were doing things differently. Yeah, I think you saw a little bit different side to the players. And said, I mean, I think that what you're getting from the coaches and players at this point is that they've, they've really started adapting to all of them. So it's not really new to them anymore. I think there's growing comfort with the way that, uh, the building is structured, the way practices are structured, the way that they're going about their business. And so, you know, now to a degree, I mean, when we have conversations with the players and coaches, you're not talking about, you know, COVID-19 as much. Now you're really starting to talk about football and you're starting to talk about the team. Very cool. Well, that's a perfect uh, segue here. One of the major uh, off-season um, uh, bits of news for the Chiefs, you know, they're still in great shape. They still return retain uh, 18 of 22 starters, but at one point it looked like 20 of 22 starters. Um, some of the departures, uh, the offensive line here, that losing, uh, although he wasn't a starter, Lucas Niang, then also losing uh, starter uh, Duvernay Tardif. Uh, what do you think is the state of the offensive line? How much of a concern should this be for Chiefs fans? I, I don't think that there's a big concern there. I mean, yes, you're losing some continuity with Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Um, you're going to be losing some depth for sure. But, hey, if, if Kalechi Osimile is the player as far as health-wise, uh, that's a good player. So, and if he plugs in there on the left side, of he will settle in. If he's the starter and then you end up with Andrew Wiley filling in it on the right side, Chiefs didn't really miss a beat when Wiley was in there on the right side for, for LDT two years ago. So I think, you, I think you feel pretty good about that offensive line right there. Wiley... I think, you know, if, if if he had struggles last year, I think part of them were really driven by injuries. He was never really healthy at any mm -hmm. part during the season, and he played through some stuff. Um, but if that's your lineup and you've got Mike Rimmers as your kind of sixth man who can plug in and play anywhere on the line, um, I think you're still looking for some depth, that, you know, that swing tackle position. Um, you were hoping maybe Lucas Nian could be that guy, maybe a guy who could fill in at guard but could kick out the tackle if needed without him. You know, you're going to see if Martinez Rankin's healthy. Um, that's a tough knee injury that he's coming back from, and he's still on the pup list. So we'll see when and if he gets back. Um, Greg Sanat, another guy to watch, Jackson Barton, both those guys were around last year. So I think they're going to be in the mix for that job. Uh, inside, you know, Nick Allegrotti is second-year player that I, I think that they are hoping can really take a good step. So they've got some numbers there. I mean, I think you're going to see the Chiefs probably keep – 
nine to 10 offensive linemen early this season. I mean, they've done that before in the past. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they keep a lot of guys. I think they've got numbers, but yeah, I mean, the, the loss of LDT and, and losing Yang, it definitely takes a blow to that depth. So now I think your just worry is that, you know, you get too many injuries along that line. And, and hey, the Chiefs have had those injuries the last couple of seasons. They've seen that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure that they're as well prepared to, to, you know, maybe face some of those injuries as they were the last couple of seasons. Uh, good point about the, the Chiefs having some experience kind of reshuffling uh, due to injuries. And also that Wiley, if he's healthy, yeah, should, should be an, imp- in the, uh, an improved player from last year. Um, you know, what's interesting is Duray Tardif is obviously a loss. I actually think a bigger loss is Wisniewski, who signed with the Steelers, than Duvrede Tardif. I was really impressed how he solidified uh, the line during the playoff stretch there, the playoff run. And he's a veteran guy, but he came in fresh. You know, he'd had some time off, um, so he was pretty well rested. So when he came in, and you have a line that's pretty beaten up because they had everybody, it seemed like, had injuries last year at some point. Um, even a guy like Austin Ryder, who I don't think ended up missing much time, if any at all, uh, he banged up his thumb at one point. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's that that, that that position group took a lot of injuries. And Wisniewski was fresh legs that came in and came in at the right time. So, yeah, he played really big. That's why I think that, hey, if, if Kalicho Simile can play that kind of Wisniewski role coming in, um, the veteran guy who can help you, you know, not miss a whole lot of beats, um, he's a he's, he's a big, strong offensive lineman, so he might be able to help out a little bit more in the run game. And if that allows Wiley to move over to the right side, which I think that they view as more of a maybe natural position for him, um, that's why I think that, you know, you've, you got to feel pretty good about that group as a starting five. You know, you, you made a good point, too, when we had you uh, on the podcast previously about all the Chiefs' injuries from last year, just how decimated they were. And this might have been a squad, you know, they had a great regular season going 12-4, and four, but – if they didn't have the Chris Jones and Frank Clark injuries and, of course, Mahomes, maybe this is a 15-1 and one or 14-2 and two team last year instead of 12-4, and, and, and I think that's more evidence. Um, well, Matt, tell, tell listeners um, where they can find you, um, where they can read your stuff, where they can even listen to you. I know you're kind of a, all over the place, kind of a multimedia star here covering the Chiefs. Well, you can usually catch everything on Twitter. That's where I'm most active. So you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Derrick. Um, Chiefs Digest, we're also on Facebook. So if you go on Facebook, look for Chiefs Digest, you'll find us there too. Um, getting ready to hit the ground running on Friday. Um, it's been kind of a, a slow summer for us at Chiefs Digest. So uh, we're getting ready to launch a lot of brand new content this weekend once the, the team hits the field. I'm going to be talking to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, i got a story on him that's coming up. So... Um, we're going to get really in the football mode here pretty soon. So um, those are the best ways to find us. And uh, yeah, and then I've got the books, you know, Patrick Mahomes Showtime that's still available. And at last about the Super Bowl win, recapping the entire season, uh, you should be able to find those wherever books are sold. And I, I can uh, witness seeing Matt work uh, the Super Bowl uh, and also work on that book that he was burning the uh, candle <laughs> on uh, both ends during Super Bowl week. Uh, you know, we're talking talking about the present day uh, return, reigning Super Bowl champs here. We we mentioned Duvernay Tardif opting out at Niang, uh, and then of course there's Damian Williams. Uh, I, I know you haven't um, seen Edwards Hilaire, who we. Uh, 
assume is going to be the replacement, but it sounds like the rumblings are very positive uh, about him so far. What have you heard, Matt? Yeah, you're Edwards Blair right now about how much he's been able to pick up. And, you know, and I thought it was, I, I knew it was either a really good sign or a really bad sign when Edward Tolaire said that Andy Reid's playbook was easy to pick up because <laughs> I've never heard anyone, much less a rookie, say that it's easy to pick up. Um, but, you know, that, that speaks to his football IQ and it speaks to, you know, the offense that he's coming out of from LSU and how well that translates to what the Chiefs do. We've seen a lot of LSU running backs in that Chiefs running back room the last few years. And they seem to, you know, fill in very nicely. And you look at the skill set of meeting the reviews. Uh, weeks is going to be the big part because that's where they really start dumping a lot on these players, especially the rookies, when you start getting 11 on 11, you start doing the 9 on 7 drills. Um, that's where, the, you know, you really start to learn about these rookie running backs. So understanding of the game, his, his tenacity, um, the way he's been able to pick up blocking schemes so far. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're right. I mean, at this point, you're hearing all the right things about this kid. When I watched him in college, you know, Andy Reid has compared him to Brian Westbrook. In fact, Brett Veach and uh, Reid both said that he looked even better than Westbrook coming out. It's funny, the, the, the guy he reminded me of is a former a local kid, a, a Lathan North K-State kid. He reminds me a lot of Darren Spoles when I saw, when I saw him play in college. Yeah, I mean, I think those are both great comparisons. I mean, you know, obviously you got the size standpoint, but I think you've got, you know, just the approach. And you know, was who could make guys put his shoulder down. He could absorb contact and didn't go down. And that's what you see with Edward Hilaire too. He can make people miss. But the most important thing is just that contact balance, that when he does take a hit, doesn't go down. And that we've seen. I mean, Kareem Hunt had that same kind of thing. And you saw how well that translated into what the Chiefs do. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that you had Andy Reid and, and Brett Veach, you know, laying that kind of comparison on Edward Hilaire, you know, from the moment he joins the team, and you say that he right now so far he's meeting that expectation, I mean, that's why you, I think you've got to be pretty excited about where this guy is. Totally. Um, you know, and he's obviously uh, – we, we kind of think that he's going to be the guy, and certainly on passing downs he's going to be such a weapon. Andy Reid, though, likes – to use a lot of different running backs. Who do you see as maybe like the number two guy out of – they have a pretty deep uh, crop there who might be getting a lot of reps. Yeah, and if he's healthy, and I think that for all, all indications that he is, Daryl Williams is probably the most reliable player in that backfield right now. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. Um, you know, they, His nickname on the team is Mr. Consistent because he, he just does everything right. Uh, may not be always the flashiest, may not be the fastest, and he might not be, you know, number one back type material, um, but he, he he's somebody that the Chiefs have a guy that right now I would probably peg as being number two. Um, DeAndre Washington, who came over from Oakland as a free agent, um, right now, I mean, that's, he's your most experienced back. So, you know, if, mm -hmm. if he finds a spot on this roster, which I think is increasingly likely, just because you need numbers and you need some experience, um, that would, I think, be a good influence. Remember, you know, he was – he really helped out Josh Jacobs last year and him making the transition to the NFL. So having a guy like that around for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think would be a big deal. Um, Darwin Thompson, you I mean, you're hoping to make a, a jump. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, to see if the Chiefs you know, might kick the tires on some, some guys who are out there in the market. And it's going to be tough to do that in this environment. But, um, you know, we've seen the NFL just in the last couple of days start lifting the restrictions on tryouts. So 
you might start seeing some guys come in to, to test with the team and work out. Um, that's a position I think they could probably stand to beef up just a little bit uh, because we've seen it the last few years. I mean, NFL, you're going to go through running backs, and that sometimes means you're going to go to options three and four. And right now, with the loss of Damian Williams, I think you got to worry a little bit about just how deep the, that squad is there. And, and especially this year with, uh, you know, you don't know if people will get missed time with, co- with you know, te- with a positive COVID test or, uh, you know, have to – so depth might be even more key. So interesting that you, you think that Daryl Williams, who, who was really good before he got hurt, you know, that Lions game, he really helped him. Kind of was a key player in that game. Um, but, man, because if he's the key guy, he was a college teammate um, – of Edward Solaire. And then if you mentioned DeAndre Washington, it might be the number three guy, a college teammate of Patrick Mahomes. So connections, <laughs> really funny connections all over the Chiefs uh, roster here. Um, yeah, you know, it, uh, very interesting to hear about that uh, running back uh, breakdown. And I actually do think that I'm not too worried about that or the offensive line that Andy Reid has you know, is, is so good at, as a former offensive lineman and Andy Hicks, one of the best in the business. I think they'll get uh, both those position groups shored up. Do you think there's one – is there, in your mind, an area of weakness? Weak I mean, we know they're the defending champs. They're the biggest area of concern for Chiefs fans. Yeah, I mean, for from looking at it, I, I think you've got to look at, on the defensive side of the football and worry about the defensive backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that you know linebackers certainly a position to still look at, but I think the addition of Willie Gay um, could be a really big impact there. That's the position group that you know injuries could be a concern because um, you got Anthony Hitchens, you got Ben Neiman that you know this team feels really comfortable with Damian Wilson too. Um, but, you know, they play a lot of rotation there. You lose Reggie Ragland, and they look at Willie Gay as being kind of the guy who could probably take over the workload that Ragland gave them last year. And if he can improve and increase his workload throughout the season, I think that would be a good sign, an indication that he's developing along. But it's still a thin group. And and you got a guy like Dorian O'Daniel who's, you know, still looking to try and make a breakthrough. I mean, that's the guy that if he can make a jump in this year – that third year, I mean, third year is kind of the, the big one. I mean, if, especially if you're a guy who didn't make the kind of first year, second year jump, that third year is where you got to do it. So if he can and he can be a consistent contributor, that's going to alleviate that a lot of concern um, just because of the comfortable. And that's why I, I don't think you saw them go out and make a lot of moves. They're comfortable with Traverius Ward, Rashad Breland, and Rashad Fenton as their top three guys. After that, you've got nothing but young guys. Um, you got Antonio Tony Hamilton, who came over from the Giants. He had a hard time trying to get on the field on defense and was mostly a special teams guy. And then after that, you know, you got you got rookies and second year guys. You know, Legarius Sneed and Bo Pete Keys are your draft picks. Um, Alex Brown's an undrafted guy from 2019 that they are high on, and it's got a really, I think, good chance to make the squad. He was on the active roster at the end of last year. But, you know, you get, a, you get an injury early in the season to one of your top three guys, and suddenly this team's going to be looking at a first or a second-round player, you know, starting. And that's, that's a challenge. I mean, that's, I think, the concern is that you're very thin at that cornerback group. And if you start to get injuries there, you're going to have, you know, Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to do a Band-Aid job to try and put that group back together. 
Totally. And that's, that's a great point, but obviously a challenge for everybody in the NFL this year, depth and, the, and just with the unique environment. Uh, once things start up a little bit more, uh, you mentioned Will, just his speed and stuff on the field. Is there a player you're most interested in seeing or a development more, you're more, most interesting kind of pursuing as a reporter here? Yeah, I mean, Gay is probably the, the guy that I think there's the most question marks about. Um, you know, Edwards, that he's going to fit in that, you know, I don't know there's a lot of questions there. Um, Willie Gay, I think, is the guy that probably has the widest range of outcomes. I mean, this could be, and, and no fault of his own, but because I think that defensive rookies are going to have a real challenge in this environment because they didn't have the OTAs. They're missing out on so much practice time. And when I've talked to, you know, rookies in the past, you know, one of the things they say that this takes them a while to do is just, it's not the speed of the game. It's just their ability for their eyes to, to retrain mm-hmm. for what they're seeing. And you only get that with snaps. You only get that with reps. So when you're going into week one and you never played a preseason game and, and practice speed is not game speed. So that I think is going to be difficult. That's why I think, you know, Hey, gay could have a lot of range of outcomes here, but I'm with you. I mean, I want to see how that, that speed fits in. Um, well, Jerry Sneed's probably another guy really mm-hmm. interested in. I mean, I'm, I'm hitting all the draft picks here, but I mean, that's reality. I'm, you know, I got a, a long, lengthy guy with a lot of speed. If he can give them valuable snaps and, you know, if he works his way into being one of their top three corners, I mean, that's going to mean that this draft class was probably a home run. So, yeah, and there's always going to be guys that pop out and surprise you. Um, you know, I, I, I'm very interested to see if some of the young uh, tight ends – Nick Kaiser and, and Dion Yelder, both guys have been around for a little bit. Uh, I think there's a lot of talent on both those guys. Both are kind of underrated. And, you know, Ricky Seals-Jones is, is a, a more veteran guy and probably going to – I like what Kaiser and Yelder can do. Kaiser's more of a, you know, a maybe bruiser tackler that, you know, will surprise you with his hands. Yelder's probably more of a receiver type, but, you know, isn't afraid to block either. So I'm, I'm curious to see about if either one of those guys can challenge Seals-Jones for that number two job. And after that, I mean, I think there's a handful of undrafted rookies that are going to be interesting to see. Um, there's they, Once again, the Chiefs went a lot for speed in that group. Um, there's some receivers that got a lot of speed and returnability. Um, wonder if one of them might be able to stick on, even, even though that is a tough receiver group to crack, if one of them can, you know, prove that Dave Tobe, that their potential returner, might be able to win a job on this team. Totally. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the tight end position because that, that really is interesting. And, you know, look, we know that they have uh, uh, Kel- Kelsey, the, probably the best in the league. But uh, the Chiefs went with two tight end formations more than you would think. It was actually a pretty uh, frequent uh, formation. So that's going to be a, a key position battle uh, to watch it, who the number two guy ends up being. Probably, like you said, Seals Seal, Jones. Now it's uh, going to put you on the spot, Matt. It's prediction time. Give us – it can be a record. It can be uh, a finish. It could be a guy who's going to surprise or just kind of an interesting development. Give us some sort of prediction for uh, the Chiefs listeners out there, what, what we can expect. And I know this is going to be a, a season that nobody can totally predict, but uh, give us something here. Yeah, you know, from a player standpoint, yeah. I, I, I want so badly to go out on a limb and say that <laughs> McCall hard missions that he's got to play and, and the playbook in general. And so he should be able to definitely, you know, broaden his workload. But you look at that, that group of pass catchers and I just don't know where the balls are going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be tough. I mean, he had a really good rookie season. So even if he has 800 yards on the year, that's going to be a really good year in this offense because every, you got, you got a lot of guys that got to catch the ball. 
Um, but I'll tell you, I'll go out on a limb here. I'm, I'm vacillating as a record between 13 and three and 14 and two, even though this schedule is that tough. Um, I, I, I think that, you know, one, Andy Reid always has their team, team prepared early on. And there's a lot of tough games early in this season. If they jump out to a four, no start, like they have the last couple of years, I, I don't see a whole lot of losses. I mean, that, that Ravens game is going to be a tough one early and, you know, and I'm not, I'm not as sold on some of the, the depth of teams at the end of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Saints are going to be good. I mean, that's going to be a tough game to go into New Orleans. I really have a lot of questions about how things are going to work in Tampa Bay. So I, I'm not as concerned about that game. Uh, I will state this. If the Chiefs go into Buffalo win on a Thursday night in October, 15 and comes in play because that's the game that I've got circled as Chiefs are going to lose because – Team NFL on the road and in Buffalo of all places on a Thursday on a night. Week. That's just yeah. yeah, yeah, that is a nightmare scenario. So I've that's one that I've chalked up as a loss. But other than that, I mean, I think that with the continuity that this team has, with the coaching staff, the way they've navigated this off season, um, I, this it's a really good team that I think is going to be one of the best prepared as it is. So if they get off to a hot start, I I just don't know if there's a cooler out there that can stop them. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, and I think a, a lot of uh, NFL experts around the league do too. Well, Matt, thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Great insight as always, and uh, you'll have to come back because this show is much better uh, when I have my uh, partner, Joey, <laughs> than when you're stuck with it with just me. So thanks so <laughs> much for, for, for coming on here. This show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and tune in. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.